it has been to me personally, I hope to you as well. Um, let's listen to these precious words of Jesus this morning. They are awesome. 11 verse 1, Luke 11 verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And this is the joy of what we're going to look at today. He says, and he said to them, which of you, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and uh, give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence or because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. They get a response from God. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. For what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion? If you then, this is his reasoning, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. That's the pinnacle. That last line is the summit of what we can receive by prayer. And uh, friends, I want to remind you, if you're joining us for the first time, all of our sermons are online. It's off the back of a, a wonderful journey of, of a previous two weeks. In part one, we looked at why I teach on prayer, some of the problems faced with quality time prayer, the importance of quality time prayer. And uh, in part two, last week, we looked at how do we actually do this? How do we do quality time praying? What can Jesus teach us about his prayer life that we can translate to ours? And some of the unexpected discoveries along the way. But there's one very important thing I could not leave out from last week, which is the principles of prayer that Jesus is teaching in this parable that is a part. Please, when you read the Lord's Prayer next time in Luke 11, don't stop at and lead us not into temptation. You must remember that this next section is as integral to his teaching as he's telling us what he prays about when he gets alone with the Father. And the first principle, church, it is so important, is that we must expect trouble. I mean, it doesn't, isn't it fascinating that after teaching this glorious Lord's Prayer, the very parable that he gives is about a man who lands himself in some trouble, right? Oh, there is a real gem here for us today. Friends, what Jesus is saying is, is we must expect in our prayer life to face down discouragement. I don't know if you take that seriously this morning, but anybody who wants to take quality time praying with Jesus seriously, you are going to experience all kinds of temptations to throw in the towel, to give up, to be discouraged. And the one thing his disciple, Jesus does not want his disciples to be is naive. Can I get an amen to that? Are you listening carefully? Because let me tell you, 
Jesus could say in a, in a later parable, seven chapters that in Luke 18, verse 1, he says, he told them about that parable of the persistent widow going to, uh, to an unrighteous judge. He said this, he told them that parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. They had to continue to pray. He was teaching them, saying, guys, there is a persistence required always to pray and not lose hearts. And uh, can I just point out to you a little secret that I, I, I've realized about me, and I think it's similar to you. Why does Jesus talk about trouble the second after he's talked about quality time prayer? Well, I think it is this. I think fundamentally we believe if our prayer life is good, God will exempt us from any trouble. <laughs> Anybody heard that? Where you pray for your kids and they seem more wicked than ever. You know, you, you pray for your boss and he seems more awful than ever. And, and there's, there's a sort of fallacy. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a myth about the fact that the deeper your prayer life goes, the smoother your life does. Let me tell you, Jesus himself is living example that if you're going to enjoy much quality time with the Father, it is not a talisman against trouble, friend. You can expect it to come. And the great English saying that I have on my heart for you this morning is, forewarned is forearmed. You know, Satan will attack you however he can. And one of the ways he will attack you is say, oh, look at who you are. Your prayers mean nothing. He, the biggest thing, church, can I, can I talk to you and encourage you this morning about the biggest thing you must guard against is discouragement in prayer. And he will talk about your behavior. He'll talk about your circumstances. He'll even talk about your ADD brain. He'll do whatever he can to try and discourage you from going after God in prayer. And the great secret of the Christian life is because you are looking at the Father, we learned last week, not because you're looking at yourself, because you're looking at a refuge who never changes, you have all the reason to come over and over again. And friends, you must guard yourself against being discouraged by trouble. You, you, it is almost an oath you take to yourself. Some of you might have been trying to pray 20, 30 minutes this week. I guarantee some of you have had a tough week. Is you get yourself going, you say, hey, it does not matter what yesterday looks like. Today, God is still the same. Therefore, I am going to continue to come. And uh, can I say, this man found himself in unexpected trouble. He was going through his day. It was a lovely day. And he had put his, his head down at night. It had been a sweet day. And there was a knock at the door. And suddenly, trouble arrives. A friend comes from an unexpected journey. None, no fault of his own. And this friend is hungry. And when he goes to the cupboard, he opens up and he sees, oh my goodness, despite all my faithful praying, despite all my lovely um, life that I've led today, I've got nothing in the cupboard and I've got a hungry mouth to feed. What am I going to do? Welcome to the experience, friends, of life with Jesus. And uh, what you see in, in ancient culture, hospitality was a very important thing. It, the fact that you could not feed a guest was a, it was a high insult. And the experience of this man to try and solve this problem is exactly what we experience in the life of prayer. Is, I mean, you can see the first time he goes to go for help, he decides, well, I've got a friend. He, he, he goes to somebody who knows, who likes him. It's a good idea if you're in trouble to go to people who like you, right? And he gets up and he runs in the middle of the night. He says, if there's one person who's going to help me, if there's one person that's going to be, have a heart towards me, it's this friend of mine. I could ask this of him. And that's what it's like with God. Fundamentally, as our Father, you know there is, if there is one person on planet Earth in the heavenly places that, that is going to listen to you with a compassionate heart, it's your friend in heaven through Jesus Christ, your Father. 
And, and, and when he arrives, this man, his first experience is just what you can experience if you're going to give yourself to quality time prayer in trouble, is he knocks on the door and does the friend answer? No, you know what he did? What I would have done is, I hope he goes away. He says nothing. He pulls that blanket over him and says, if you're going to wake up my kids, there's going to be hell to pay. I want my sleep. Go away. And he's hiding, and the guy's knocking, and he knows he's home. There, is, there, there isn't places in the Middle East to go and have lots of holidays, etc. These people were sat at their places for most of the year, unless it was a festival. He says, I know this guy's home, but he stonewalls him. Friends, you are going to experience when trouble hits the life of prayer, times when you are desperate and in urgent in need, and when you are praying, heaven seems to be silent. And it can cause a reaction in you, I mean, there can not only be a silence, but, but what can happen next is, have you ever experienced the situation where you think that trouble hits and you go to God, but you actually think you've got the solution already? And you think, well, I'll pray about it, but I really actually know what God's going to do anyway, because it's as obvious as day. I'll go, and this is what this friend thought, I'll go to this friend, I have midnight, he loves me, he likes me, he'll give me food, I'll come back, no problem, we'll sort out the situation and we'll carry on with life. Friends, I know what it's like, and you know what it's like, when you're praying and you're thinking about how you're going to solve it and you think, well, my solution's God's anyway, so he'll be in it. So when I do it, it'll be fine. And what happens is when he does it, he realizes what he thought would be a simple fix turns out to be a frustrating experience. And friends, there can be an aspect in prayer where you are praying for a certain outcome, but it's not going the way you'd hope. Does anybody have that before? You're going to have to give me a lot of encouragement today. <laughs> Good. Or maybe, can I tell you, you are today, I just feel there might be some in the room today, you have hurt towards God. You almost feel betrayed by him. Can you imagine the experience of this friend going to somebody who he needs? Friends, he's not asking for a midnight snack. He, he's not asking for, for a, 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 an electric blanket. You know, he's not, he's, his request is because he's got nothing to eat and he's got nothing to serve this friend. He's not going to his friend because of, of, of trying to be in irritation or for selfish reasons. Friends, he's going to this friend that he expects help from. He expects this help to be opened in the form of his friend saying, come in, grab as much as you like and grow. I'll see you in the morning. Rather, what he experiences is rejection from the person he thought would help. There is a very good book I want to recommend if anybody is struggling with this by R.T. Kendall called Totally Forgiving God. Some of us, even right now, are processing disappointments in God in the way he has not answered or has answered your requests for his help. And friends, I want to say in prayer, you need to brace yourself for a sovereign God whose mystery you will not always understand, yet still asks you to hold to him still asks you in inverted commas to forgive him, to give him the grace so that you are not tying his hands in the way that you are demanding them to move, but rather looking at his face and releasing his hands to be the God who knows best and understands all things. I cannot explain it more than that, but he asks for faith even, even when it feels like he's betrayed you. And, and some of you can pray, and you know what it's like with the slowness to answer I mean, this friend, when you, you, you're in an urgent need and this friend takes so long. You know, when you read that parable, you think, goodness me, this was a process. First he knocks, there's silence. Then he shouts back and says, get lost. I don't want to get out of my bed. And he experiences rejection. And eventually, after persistence, after banging and banging, this person comes, this friend, and he opens the door 
And he says, you can have what you want. Friends, these are the challenges for the one who is sincere about a prayer life that looks like Jesus. And you are going to face these challenges today. But can I say to you, Sterling, there is a glory awaiting the one who perseveres in prayer. At the end of today, I hope you will feel the joy of what it means to worship a God even when you don't see him or feel him. And you can see the glory of coming alongside your Savior, even in a Gethsemane moment, when you are longing for everything to go the other way, but you can say, even though there's a silence from heaven, your will be done, not mine. Friends, there is a glory here that you can share with Jesus that is for the one who wants it through perseverance, but one that you will never regret. It was the joy laid before him. Christ endured the cross and despised the shame. And now he is, he is receiving forever a commendation from God. It will be the same for you. Don't think your Savior is something outside of your experience. You're walking in his footsteps, my friend. And today, praying with expecting trouble is part of what it means to follow Jesus. But despite that, my second point is we are to pray with boldness. And do you see this man? There is something about... Him never, please listen to me here, this is, this is important. This man never goes onto the back foot. There's something in that. He says, he goes out at midnight, and he says to his friend, he knocks on the door, uh, verse 5 and 6, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. There is, there is a front-footedness in his attitude around taking his need to the one who can answer which we can learn from today. And friends, the second principle Jesus is teaching from this parable is to pray with boldness. What do I mean by that? Well, just look at this man. He goes at midnight. Midnight. I mean, it's the worst time of day. And, and can, if it was me, this is carnal Matt coming out here, but just let's... I would say to my guest, would you just wait until sunrise so that when I go to his house, I'll knock first thing in the morning, we'll have breakfast, but I'll just let him get a bit more sleep, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll let him um, uh, you know, recover so that when I ask, he won't be too angry. Anybody like that here? And, and the thing that strikes me is he asks for three loaves, not one. I mean, if it was me, I'll, I mean, could I just have enough for him? You can cut that little loaf in half and, and make sure that that cupboard is left half full so that I don't feel so bad about asking. Friends, that, that, that sort of, that sort of um, uh, 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 fearfulness to ask, that sort of backfootedness, you don't get it in the parable. This man knows that this friend loves him. This man knows he's asking in, in, with right motives. This man knows it's, it's going to be a blessing to other people. And despite being fobbed off by this friend, he doesn't give up. He, there is a front-footedness that he refuses to let go of. Now, can I ask you, are you like that in your prayer life? You know, in Matthew chapter 6, the Greek mood, when, when he says, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be. It is in the imperative. It is, it is not going, maybe today, Lord, if you feel like it. Maybe today, if you can. Maybe today. It, his posture and Jesus' posture in prayer. It's not one of dictation. It's not one of demand. But it's one of confidence. It's one of going, I'm not shrinking back here in the shadows. I'm leaning into who I know I'm asking from. And I'm leaning into the truth of him wanting me to come to him regularly. And, and friends, there is a place in your life which you have to decide and say, do I believe this God can do it? And do I believe he's for me? If it is so 
then it must characterize our praying. Amen? You are not talking about yourself or your self-confidence here when you come before God and pray. What you are putting your confidence in when you pray is a God who hasn't changed. That is your worship. It's not just your words, my friend. It's your attitude. And if you're going to worship this God for all that He is, part of it is delighting in His character and His ways, which are certain according to God's word. You might not understand them, but friends, He hasn't changed behind them. And that is where this word impudence comes from. There is a sense, I'll explain it, some old English. For, for the, it took me a long time to try and look up in the dictionary what that means. But anyway, the point of it is, there is a, there's a, there is a boldness. There is a... a, a I'll get to it later. And timid praying, can I just ask you today, when you're praying to this Father, timid praying has a whiff of unbelief about it. God does not mind weakness. He does not mind you coming with a sense of, I don't know how this is working out, but I'm banking on you, God. I'm putting my hope and my anchor in you. Timid praying is, is, has a whiff of unbelief about God's capacity and God's character. And we must be careful. We must be careful. No matter how much pressure we are under, we are to be like Jesus, who could say, Lord, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will. Not my will. Your will be done. There is a submissiveness that anchors Jesus to the character and purpose of his Father that he refuses to doubt. And friends, it must be the same for you. Your kind of praying is, is not that you know better. It's that you're trusting that God does. And because he hasn't changed, you put your hope there. Amen? You with me? I want you to think for a moment about your prayer life. You know, the thing that, that we must guard against religious praying is, is you're doing it because a kind of religious praying is a sort of just an empty husk. You're just throwing up sentences because you know you should. Friends, boldness is not praying with the husk. It's praying with the whole kernel of faith. Is You are praying knowing knowing that this is meaningful to the Father, this is, this, is, this is going to a God who is able, and you pray that way. You pray even in your weakness, even in your tears, even in your longing, even your disappointment. You say, Lord, Lord, I, I am trusting you even in my pain here. My, my, my substance of my prayer is anchored to a person who doesn't change, and therefore I have hope, I have boldness, and I'm going to keep coming. And I suspect, friends, the reason why this man... <laughs> The reason why this man could keep coming at night he, and, and bugging him and going, give me food, give me... Because he knew his friends. Now, have you ever met a kind of person that you know when they say, no, it's no forever? Have you ever, do you know a kind of person like that? I can think of a few. I've been them once or twice in my life where you can beg and grovel, but you ain't getting anything. Friends, this, this, this guy could be so bold because he knew his friend. He knew that if he kept going at him, if he kept, this guy was a softie. Despite all of his kids being in bed, he knew, ah, man, old, old Hezekiah, I know him so well. He'll shrug it off in the morning after he's had a nap. He'll be fine. I want to say, this man knew his friend. Do you know your God? Do you know your God this morning? And do you pray like it? My third principle today is, first was to expect trouble. Second is to pray with boldness. The third is to pray with persistence. And friends, this is an area where all of us can grow and be encouraged in. This is what Jesus says in verse 8 of chapter 11. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. 
And this is Christ's application on his own authority. He says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What Jesus is saying here in his unpacking of this parable, it's lovely to have Jesus' own explanation. He says, do you see that this friend was faithful? This friend was, I almost want to say, belligerent. He was so confident that his friend had what he needed and that he would give it to him. He didn't give up. And, and Jesus said, he puts this persistence down in three ways. When, when you see something three times, it, it's, it's emphasized three times. To ask, to seek, to knock. I, I had to ask myself the question, and I'll ask you today. What does persistence look like in your prayer life? Friends, the Greek is very strong. The, the Greek is, is, I'm going to pronounce it badly, but we don't really know what it sounded like anyway, is anadean, which means impudence. It, it means without regard of place or time or person. That's why the ESV has opted for this old-fashioned word of impudence. Is this guy, it's a bad time. His, his friend is not in the right moment uh, to, to receive this request. And, and, and he's not being put off, even though this person's saying, no, 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 not now. He, he's carrying on. And the, 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 the dictionary definition in the Greek is pertinacious, which means it's holding firmly to a course of action. That's what it means. You hold firmly to the course of action. It's pertinacious importunity, which means a persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. And it's persisting regardless what is in front of you. It is persisting regardless of what is in front of you. And the great example of this is the Canaanite woman whose child is struggling with demon possession. And remember, she, she comes crying out, and Jesus is trying to minister, and eventually she's so annoyed that the disciples say, please just tell her to go away, Jesus. And she goes, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, 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 and eventually, uh, Jesus gives her attention, and, and this, this, Jesus says, I haven't been sent to you. I've been sent to um, the last sheep of the house of Israel. And she said, yeah, but, but even, even the dogs eat the crumbs that come from the table. And there's, there's, there's amazing things, this this. This pertinaciousness is, I don't even know if that's the right way of saying it, but is, is this ability to, to cry out knowing the character of God, that, that she calls out to Jesus, she says, you are the son of David. She understands his nature, he's merciful. And despite being humanly discouraged by, by, friends, by his own friends, by his own followers, when it comes to, to, to facing him, she knows that this mercy is wonderfully generous. And, and when she gets discouragement, even from him, she goes, no, no, I know you. I know you. Even, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's stable. And, and, uh, stable, and, and you're, much, you're much better than that. And he goes, woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Well done. Well done. I'll give you, I'll give you this good thing that you are asking for. Now, friends... That's a model for us. 
can I ask, the big question that's in your mind is, how do I know if I should keep asking for something? Because it sounds like, you know, it's the one who annoys God's, God the most that wins. It sounds like that, right? It's true. It, it feels like the one who pulls hardest on the slot machine handle gets the most coins, right? Do we have to ply God's fingers open in order to get good things from him? No, my friends. But there is a criteria that determines our confidence for which we can ask or with which we can ask. And can we pop it up there all the way? There we go. Okay. How do you know you should persist in praying for something even though you're not getting it from God? Well, the first thing you ask yourself is this. Is it good? Am I, am I asking for something that is affirmed in heaven as good? And we know that through, through, through the scriptures. You know, is this pleasing? If, if I had to put myself in Jesus' shoes of, of watching this thing or receiving this request, does it line up with his character and his word? Is it good? And friends, I want to, the reason why this man could have such confidence to keep asking was because what he was asking for was good. He was asking for bread, not whiskey. He was asking for, for bread, not contraband. He was asking for something which he knew he needed in order to be a blessing to his friends. You with me? It's very important. You ask yourself, is this request that I am clinging on for, I'm bringing with confidence to God with, is it good? That's the first thing. Secondly, and, and as you're asking it, what are your motives? What are your motives? You, you need to be honest with yourself. God sees it anyway, so it's a, good, it's a good practice to not hide anything from yourself, right? And you ask, are, are these motives, are my motives pure and God-glorifying? Friends, <laughs> this man wasn't asking even for himself. He was quite happy to go through the night and bake up his own bread in the morning, but he saw the need of his friend. And he could say that this man had been through the whole day, possibly hadn't eaten since the previous night, and this man needed food. He needed to be loved and cared for. And friends, his motives are right. They are pure. They are God-glorifying. They are fulfilling the second command. And friends, if you know that it is good and that your motives are pure in asking for it, friends, you're on good ground. Remember what James 4 verse 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And, and you need to be careful. You need to be very honest about why are you asking for this thing? And the third thing you ask yourself is, is it a need or is it a want? You can ask God for both, but your level of confidence is a bit different when you are handling one or the other. Do you notice what 11 verse 8 says? Verse 8 of chapter 11. Jesus says in unpacking this parable, he will give him whatever he needs. Not whatever he wants. There's a big difference, my friend. Do you know what a need is? Please listen to me carefully today. A need is something that is certain in the will of God because of his promises. I'll give you an example. There were two examples. I've used them before, but I'll use them again. As a student, I had no money. I, I, I had ran out of money. It was halfway through the month. I was working um, a few jobs. Um, but they didn't pay very much. And I remember um, saying, Lord, I didn't want to ask my parents. I, I wanted to trust the Lord in this area. I, he knew I, I, I wanted to grow. And, um, and I just said to him, Lord, you say in your word, my God will supply all my needs. And Lord, I, I need food. I, I need, I need um, shelter. 
I need clothes. I, I'm not asking you for, for a new car or, or a big house. I'm, I'm asking you for what you promised to supply. And friends, there was a certainty in asking him that I just knew he's going he's to come through. And he did. And he did it quicker rather than later. Sometimes he's not so quick, but this time it, it was an affirmation that I was on the money in his word. Because the very next moment I sat down and opened up my journal for devotions and, and 400 rand fell out. Now, now I think I'd saved that money, to be honest. I, I, I don't think, I'll ask Jesus one day, I don't have a good memory. But I don't, it might have come from heaven, I don't think so. I was probably saving for a book. But I had forgotten about it. Or I think my friend had slotted in when he stayed with me, just to bless me. And he liked to do that when you opened up a book or something, there was money. He enjoyed doing that. But anyway, God supplied. And I knew as I was praying, Lord, this is certain. You will look after me. You will look after me. This is a need. It's certain in your will. You are not going to leave and forsake me here. But the once is a bit different. A once is something good connected to God's generous character. It's something good. It's not something wicked. Something good that is, can be asked from God because of his generous character. And so where a need is certain in the will of God, a want is something good that might be in the will of God. Are you with me? Oh, and I just try again. A need is something that is certain in the will of God. A want is something that might be in the will of God. Are you with me? Can you just nod? So the example of this in my own life is, I was... I had the great privilege for the first time in my life. I went to the UK last year. And my dream, my dream, my dream was to go into the Houses of Parliament. And I, <laughs> I could not get in. Only, there's only one tour that uh, you, is allowed to go in on a Saturday because that's when it's safe. There's no people to blow up. And, um, and the, the tour was full. And I was, I was so disappointed because if I'd really just had one thing I would have loved to have seen, and I couldn't, I was there. I was standing on, on London Bridge. I still can't believe it. I have to pinch myself. And I looked, and there are the beautiful houses of Parliament. And I thought, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And I know the Saturday is my last day in the UK. And something inside of me just said, why don't you ask God one more time? And I did. So I went and I asked God, and I went on my phone, and there's the booking company, and miracles of miracles, they opened up an extra to a group. So I called my mother, who believes in having a, in a generous God, <laughs> and had been praying very hard. I said, Mom, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. I, I got in to see the, 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 the houses of parliament, and I don't know who was in, the, in that famous square, but they heard this guy jumping up and down saying, and she was crying. And, because the point of it was this, and God reminded me, he said, Matt, I'm not stingy. It's, it's, I, I, I'm a good father. And, and sometimes... He can give good gifts, not because you need it, just because he wants to bless you. And, um, and I would say my last point is this, is how do you know you should pray with persistence, is has God made his will clear yet? And uh, friends, you can know in your heart, if, if God is not giving you a liberty to pray for the thing that you want, don't do it. What I mean is, I'll give you an example. There was, uh, oh, there's so many to choose from. Just give me a moment. I'll give you one in the positive. One, one night I was lying in my bed as a student and I was desperate. I had not shared the gospel with anybody virtually for months. And I'm like, Lord, 
I need you to give me an opportunity for the gospel. Please, I'm just longing for a win where someone gets converted. Like, yes, Jesus, the gospel wins. And I was praying that night. I was on my bed, and I felt like the Lord say in my heart, it's done, yes. And, I, and you know, sometimes you get surprised because you're not expecting an answer. <laughs> and I sat there on my bed, and I tried to pray again, and it was clear. Why am I asking for something God has given? I had that level of assurance. And the next morning, I got to meet um, somebody and share the gospel with him on the bus. And it was a wonderful experience. He answered it clearly, but he made his will known. And it can be the opposite. There was, there was, a, uh, 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 there was a no. A very clear no. And you test it. You try and go around it. You try, and you just know God is not giving this to me. As much as I, I've tried to hackle him on it, there isn't a liberty. There isn't a peace. And, and there might not be a specific scripture. Then if there is a specific scripture, drop it. If you're going against the word of God, drop it. Uh, you're not going to win. But, but sometimes he can make his will known around a want. And, 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 and he can say no. And friends, I want to say to you, you submit. You submit. Do you know that that is the highest form of faith? That is your Gethsemane. Is when you are wanting things to go one way, you can submit to the sovereign Father and say, but not my will, yours be done. And can I say, if you push... I'm talking from experience. If you push against the no, in other words, you're pushing without peace, without a sense of the presence of mind of the Spirit, you will regret it. Even if it is something that is good, if you know in the Lord He's not giving it, don't go for it. And so I land today on my fourth and final one, which is the promise of highest provision. What is the highest thing you can ask for this morning from the Lord? Is it a bigger house? Is it a bigger paycheck? Is it a more obedient child? Is it a life partner? What is the highest thing that God is saying you can ask for in prayer? And friends, in Christ, the highest thing you can ask for is the Holy Spirit. And can I just plead with us this morning to take Christ seriously and what he's offering here. He can say at the end in verse 13, 11 to 13, he could say, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Friends, what we need is fullness in our lives. What we need more than the gifts he can give is the presence of his person. What we need more than anything is empowering to live for Jesus. We can have all of our efforts, all of our, all of our, 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 our sworn oaths, but without this inner empowering of the Spirit, the kind of life that Jesus is offering is not going to be experienced. And friends, please don't make prayer merely transactional where you are asking God for an outcome and trusting Him for it, friends, there is a person to be filled with. There is an opportunity here to know God in an experiential way. There is an opportunity here to be changed, not merely in your circumstances, but in your character, with more fruits of the Spirit, with more wisdom and walking in, your way, in His ways, to have times of refreshing. There is an, an offer, a life which Jesus called abundance. 
And my, my worry, church, is, is in my own life and in yours. We preached on the Holy Spirit last year for weeks and weeks and weeks. I just felt God spoke to us as a church that the offer is there. But friends, it doesn't come automatically in terms of you have the Spirit in your regeneration, but now God wants the heightened work of the Spirit for your sanctification and for the work of His glory through the gospel in your life. And the only way that's going to come is the working of the Spirit in you. And we must ask for it. Can I say this to you this morning? I don't care if you forget everything else. But one thing I am pleading with you this year not to give up on is to daily ask for more of His Spirit. And commentators can argue all they like, but they all agree ultimately that this provision is on offer from heaven as a gift. You don't have to feel worthy of it when you come to the Father. He knows you need Him. You don't have to feel that you have to sort of put your penance in and work your merit up in heaven in order to receive Him. There is a simple offer here that if our earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, they know how to be generous in an undeserving way towards their children, how much more, church, how much more is God opening up heaven and saying, here I am for you to taste and see and enjoy, for me to dwell in you richly, for you to talk to you richly, for you to experience a life that's not kindergarten in its absence and distance of this presence of God, but in all of the fullness of maturity of experiencing this God for yourself through the Spirit. It's there. It's there. Oh, won't you ask for it every day? Every day. You know what I, the Lord knows, you know what I, I want to avoid here at Sterling is a lean faith. Can I plead with you? This God is more than doctrine. He's more than morality. In the Christian, he comes to make his home in us. And that changes everything. It depends how much you want it. Here it is. Here it is. The body and blood of Jesus saying, I'm offering you this gift of the Spirit. How much do you want him? How much do you need him? Let's pray. Father, we want the Spirit. Not for our mere entertainment, no, Lord, for the sake of your name. And for the joy of what it means to delight in all of what you promised to give us in Christ. It's like a, the moment of a, a birthday party and all of these gifts are there, but there's this one that has been wrapped and, and purchased and paid for to be wondered at, to be opened, and to be lived with. Father, I pray today as a people, you would make us hungry for more of the heightened work of your Spirit. Take us to places this year we've never been in you before. Might we see prayer as the greatest opportunity to see things we can't see by the flesh, to know you that we can't understand by our flesh, but that you would lead us into the fullness of what's on offer in Jesus. And I pray this year would be a year of fullness. 
encouragement in the Lord. Part us, Lord, now with your blessing. We pray, God, as we go and enjoy coffee, tea, and life, might you fill it with your spirit. Might there be such a call to draw closer than like never before. Might we know the joy of what it means to be in your kingdom, we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. I hope you take seriously verse 13 this week, and we'll see you next week.